Uh, I wanted to share with you something. You know, I, I, t- I tried to start uh, all of our uh, little life lessons in here with, with some real truth. And this morning I found some real truth. Now, the easiest way to find that truth is to go straight to the mouths, or in this case, the pens or the pencils of our children, right? Because our children have not yet learned the, the true art of life that all of us adults end up learning, and that is this, that lies and deceit are your way to the truth, right? You smile, you, you do all the things that you're supposed to do, right? You, you, you make friends with the people you're supposed to make friends with, and, and life just typically flows, and you're just trying not to get the bumps. Well, children will just tell you how it is, right? You go in front of your husband, you say, honey, how do I look? It doesn't matter how you look, guess what he's going to say? You look all right. You can't say too good, and you can't say too bad. Either way, he's going to hurt you. You say too good, and she's like, well, what, so most of the time I don't look good enough for you? You say not good enough, and then she's like, what, I don't look good enough for you? There's no win. So you always stay in the middle. Kids, they just tell you the truth. Here's some examples of that. I'm going to help you out here because I know it's probably going to be hard for some of you in the back to see. Here's a picture of what I look like today. That's Isaac. Here's what I think I will look like 100 years from now. It's a grave site. Right? Hey, let's be honest. As kids, we're going to be honest. Here's the next one. Imagine that if you lived at the same time as Abraham Lincoln, what would you say to him? I would tell him not to go to a play ever. That's pretty good. Here's one, vocabulary word is exterminate. Lindsay, you'll like this. The meaning is to get rid of. Use it in a sentence. I want to exterminate my mom. And I don't know if you can see it, but there's a picture of him with a gun in front of his mother, I guess his mother, in a beautiful tree. Here's the next one. Dear Tooth Fairy, I want my tooth and my money. Here's a good one. If Robbie had 52 candy bars and ate 38 of them in one day. I love, I love that the teacher put see me. Because what are you going to say? Lindsay, in that case, you can't, I mean, that's just an A. You just, whatever, move on. I will never get married. And there's a beautiful picture of him on a lounge chair saying, this is the life. And here's the way that we have to end it. This is my favorite one. What are the three things you want to do in the future? One, get a girlfriend. Two, Kiss her. Three, rule the world. That's the best one. We all try to explain away the obvious, right? We all try to explain away the obvious. But in reality, what is really going on in our hearts typically falls back behind this fake facade. Right? We began to talk about it last week. We call that our heartache. That's our heartache. Those are the things that you're going to push out 
so that you can hide everything else that's really going on inside of your life, right? Now, the problem with that is, is we talk a lot here at One Love Church that God has created you to live an eternal existence, right? And what that means is he's given you the things for you to prosper right now. But what happens is in most of our lives, we begin to hide those things or those things become distorted through decisions that we've made in our lives or through decisions that others have made in our lives. And if you look at statistics, the truth is that most of us in the room right now today have been abused in some way. In some way. For a lot of you, it may not have been a sexual abuse. It may just be an abuse of the heart or maybe a spiritual abuse. Some of us who have been raised in the church, we go through spiritual abuse. Do you know what that is? That's when people come to you and say, if you don't do what they think you should do, then you're going to go to hell. That's spiritual abuse, right? They're trying to shape your actions based upon what they think you should look like. So some of us live a life of abuse, and so we begin to hide what that true part of us really is. And for a lot of us, it starts at childhood. It starts at childhood. And it may have even started with your parents, and it's not their fault, because you see it happen to them too. And really, for most of us who have children, we've begun to do it to our children. And, and it's a really dangerous place because it's going to start to warp the rest of their lives and even how they behave with their children. It's what the Bible talks about when it says, for generations, it will carry on in your family. This is part of that that will carry on. It's the heartache. You never get rid of it because, let's be honest, you don't know how. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to tap the person sitting next to you on the shoulder. Go ahead, do it right now. Half of them are struggling to stay awake, so they need it anyway. And I want you to look at them and say this. Heartache ends today. Now go to the other side and tell them. Most of you who are obeying me are seeing the back of other people's heads, and that's okay. That's okay. Your heartache is going to start ending today. We're going to start talking about those four things we brought up last week. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Those are the four keys to your heartache. That is where your heartache comes from. Now, some of you are going to say, Brad, there should be a fifth one, and that should be lust, right? But I'm going to stand in front of you here today as a grown man who's married and has children and say this, lust is a good thing. All of you are here today because of lust. Here's where lust gets bad. When you use it in the wrong relationship, in the relationship it was never intended for. So I'm not going to add lust to that thing. So I'm going to tell you right now, I have a lust for my wife. And I'm not going to tell you about it because it's nasty. <laughs> you don't want to know. You do not want to know. Sarah doesn't want to know most of the time. I'm telling you, yeah, she definitely don't want me to start sharing it. <laughs> Quickest way to end the church plant, start sharing your lust. We're going to start today with guilt. Do you remember what guilt means from last week? Guilt means I owe you, right? Guilt means I owe you. Now, we have changed guilt into a verb. 
And for most of us, you get the things that you desire in life by guilting. Right? How many of you have ever guilted someone? Be honest. It, it, I'll tell you the number one place it happens. Marriage. Relationships. Right? <laughs> Baby, if you loved me, you would... Right? So for some of us, it happens with our siblings. You know, Holly's not here today, so I can say this. She's the worst. <laughs> nobody, nobody look, nobody look back there. Nobody look back there. But I'm going to tell you right now, she's the worst. Here's what my sister used to do. Now, some of you may relate to this. I don't know. My sister used to be bigger than me, right? We lived in Houston, Texas. I was like seven, eight years old. At that time, my sister was like 12, 13 years old. She's got me, right? There's nothing I can do. She used to hold me down, do the arm, you know, the twist thing. I'd try to kick her in the privates, but it didn't hurt her. <laughs> like it hurt me. And so... She would hold me down, and I don't know if your brothers and sisters did this. My sister terrorized me. There are nights now that I wake from my sleep in a cold sweat with my sister's face in my dreams, right? My sister would put her knees on my shoulders. Now, when you're eight years old and someone puts your knees on your shoulders, it's like turning, you know, a fish upside down. There just ain't nothing that you can do right, you're flailing, you're looking, then she would start to spit. You know what I'm talking about? And it would, it would hang down, and it would get like an inch from my nose, and then she'd go like this. Now, of course, now, of course, now, of course, it's not funny enough for her until the string breaks, right? I get smashed with spit, and my sister goes like this, in her tears from laughter, oh, it was an accident, <laughs> right? Well, here's the truth. My sister never got any guilt from that, so it's not a good example that way. So, Holly, are you guilty about that? I knew it, I know. <laughs> So it's, it's a poor example that way, but here's where it's a good example. In a lot of your relationships, you're going to take advantage of any weakness that you can get, right? And the weakness that my sister was able to take advantage of was I was not yet six foot two, 250 pounds. At that point, I was about four point whatever and weighed probably around 17, <laughs> right? I'm just a tiny little thing, and she could manipulate and abuse me. Most of us in our relationships, we do the exact same thing. And here's what happens. You end up moving on from that relationship, and the truth is, what you did in your relationships and what I've done in my relationships are a lot worse than just a little bit of teasing as a sibling, right? And so what happens is you move on from that relationship, and you now create a debt-to-debtor relationship, right? It may be with your spouse. It may be with people at work. It may be with friendships you've had for a really long time, but you now have a debt-to-debtor relationship. In Proverbs, 
there's a scripture that says, you will become slave to the lender, right? You will become slave to the lender. What happens in a debt-to-debtor relationship is you become a slave to the person that you owe emotionally. And what happens, let's say that somebody owes you $50. How often do you see that friend of yours once you've lent them the $50? You don't see them anymore, right? Until they have the $50 to pay you back, they don't want to be in your presence. Well, guess what happens in a debt-to-debtor relationship? The people that you owe, the people that you feel you owe because of the guilt that is inside of your spirit, you don't want to see them anymore. And all of a sudden, you don't call them like you used to call them. And you don't go to the events that you know they're going to be at like you used to. And all the relationships that you've developed in that way are broken. They're torn apart. And so what happens is you now have a debt-to-debtor relationship that's heavily built on guilt. There's a simple way to fix that. And most of you know it. And I'm going to show you some scripture this morning that points towards it. And you're going to begin to hear names in your head or to see faces in your head. Or, or to begin to see, listen, one of the easiest ways to look at this is broken relationships, right? And, and, and let's just take a relationship of uh, infidelity in, in any of your relationships. If a man cheats on a woman, what does the man see? The man sees things that he's gaining, okay? He's going to see the butterflies in his stomach like maybe he hasn't had in a while. And he's going to see a, a new sexual relationship like maybe he hasn't had in a while. And so in his mind, he's seeing all these things that he's gaining. Now, what is everyone else in his family seeing? You're seeing loss, right? But the truth is that he doesn't see that. I mean, he understands it, but he doesn't see it. You with me? There's an old, there's an old movie, White Man Can't Jump, right? And the dude's in the car, and he's like, you can hear it, but you ain't listening. He's like, no, I can listen. I'm no, you can hear it, but you ain't listening. It's kind of what's happening with the man right now. He can see what's happening, but he doesn't see the loss because he's only seeing the gain. Now, let me tell you when he sees it. Eventually, his daughter or his son or someone of significance in his life is going to come up to him, and they're going to say, Daddy, why doesn't Mommy love you anymore? What happens? Debt to debt a relationship. For the rest of that daughter's life, for the rest of that son's life, it's repaying what I've cost you. Is that a healthy thing? Is it healthy in any of our relationships when we respond in that manner? No. But the truth is, it's what happens. So where do we go from there? 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's the first part of that? If we what? Confess. Confession, confession is your fix-it step. It's your fix-you step. Confession. When we leave here today, here's what I want you to understand. Confession does not mean what you think it means. Confession does not mean what most of us have, brought, have been brought up in the church to think that it means. 
Because for most of us, confession means that before I put my head on my pillow at night, I'm going to start to list to God all of those things that I've done during the day that I know that God would be unhappy about. Now, why am I doing that? There's one reason why I'm doing that. Because I feel guilty. And I don't want to feel guilty anymore. So I'm going to start listing these things to God, right? And I'm going to be specific, just like Pastor keeps telling me to be specific. I'm going to be specific. I'm going to list them out. God, I looked at pornography at 824, right? And, and, and God, I lied at 715. And I'm going to start listing all these things out. And then when I go to bed at night, I'm going to wake up the next morning, and how am I going to feel? Pretty good, because my guilt bucket just got emptied, right? But what's going to happen the next day when the pornography sneaks back up in my life? There's no change in me. I'm not desiring change. What I'm desiring is an emptiness of my guilt bucket. You follow me? So today we're going to talk about what is confession really, and what does it mean not only for your guilt bucket, but for a change in your life. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. You cannot get to the eternal life that God has promised you when you're walking around in a heartache full of guilt. When your relationships are based on guilt. God wants you to understand what it means to have freedom. Right? And you can't have freedom if you're full of guilt. Numbers chapter 5 verses 6 and 7 says this. Any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord. Are you with me? Let's start that over. Any man or woman who wrongs a relationship is therefore unfaithful to who? Now, does it say any man who cheats on his wife and any woman who cheats on her husband or any person who cheats on their partners? are therefore unfaithful to the Lord. Yes, but let me tell you what else it says. Any dad who cheats on his son, any mom who cheats on her daughter, any brother who cheats on his brother, any friend who cheats on a friend, is therefore unfaithful to the Lord. Let me tell you why. If you remember all the way back in Matthew, the very truth that this church hangs on are two things. Jesus says, love God and love Right? If you can't understand and feel and, and begin to love those people who are in you, who you feel like you owe, who maybe you have guilt towards, if you can't learn to love them, guess who you can't learn to love? Jesus says the very law hangs on those two things. It's those two things. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to understand the rest of this. Here it goes. Any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sins they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong that they have done and add a fifth of the value to it and give it, to all, and give it all to the person that they have wronged. Confession is not about feeling better. It's about what? Making things right. Listen, when I confess to God, it's not about, hey, God, get rid of my guilt bucket. It's about, God, make this right in me. Listen, if I'm addicted to pornography, and and listen, that's something I'm going to bring up a lot because statistics tell us that most of us, men and women, are. If I'm addicted to pornography, 
I'm going to go to God every single night and I'm going to ask God to remove that guilt bucket because it makes me feel bad. It's an evil thing. And so I'm going to ask God to remove that from my life. And the next morning when I wake up, guess what? That, that guilt bucket is gone. But I don't want to make change in my life. Real confession is about making change. It's about changing my history, changing my past, and being able to move forward truthfully in my relationships. Mark chapter 1 says this, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea, Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. And here's how it ends. Confessing their sins. Confession's not a private thing. It's a public thing. Do you know why confession's not a private thing? Because I can confess anything that I want in private, and none of you know. But if I go to the very person who I have hurt, and I confess to them that hurt, guess what I'm not going to do to that person again? I'll give you a very short story. There was a woman, and this is a very simple way of, of, of simplifying a lot of our relationships, but there was a woman who asked me for help one time as a pastor back, back in the church in my past. Asked me for help, and so I helped her. And that whole next week, I never contacted her. I never called her, right? Because I'm Pastor Brad, and any advice I give to you, it's going to be right, and it's going to fix you, so just move on. Right? That's what I'm thinking as a, as a young pastor. So that whole next week, I never called her. I get to church the next week, and guess what happens? I start hearing from other people. Oh, sister so-and-so's mad at you. Oh, you better not go see her. She's mad. She's ready to give you a tongue lashing. Oh, sister so-and-so's mad at you. Do you know why everyone else was telling me that? Because here's what we do in our human spirits. When we're mad at somebody, we don't go to them. We go to everybody else. Right? And so everyone else is coming to me. Now, there's one thing that my father ingrained in me that, that thank the Lord, I've, I've grown up with, and that is this. Whenever I feel like I've wronged someone, I go to it, right? So I found sister so-and-so. I kneel beside her in church, and I say this. I hear that you're mad at me. She goes, I am. And her look went from eyebrows straight down to eyebrows up. And you know what she said to me? It was this simple. She said, you gave me some advice this weekend, and you never called me one time this week to see how I'm doing. And... What I said to her was pretty simple. I said this. Listen, sister. I'm very new at what I'm doing. And I'm not real good at it. And I've got a lot of hurt in my heart. And so I haven't figured out yet how to really love somebody. And you've taught me something today. Now, here's something cool that's going to happen to you whenever something like this happens in your life. God is going to put it right back in your life, right? Because he wants you to take it from learning to practice. So I'm not kidding you. Weeks later... She comes to me. Hey, I need some help. I gave her some help. And during that week, you know what happened? As soon as she walked out my door, I started thinking, don't forget to call her. <laughs> don't forget to call her. Don't forget to call her. I went to sleep that night, and as I'm praying, Father, don't let me forget to call her. Lord, don't let me forget to call her. I can't do this two times in a row. I get up the next day. It's too soon to call her. <laughs> Got to wait to call her. I can't call her. I'm telling you, as I'm working through the day, I keep thinking about her. I got a caller, I got a caller. The next day, I wake up. And you know what happens? It's been two days. Can I call her? Should I call her? I'll wait till after lunch. I get to lunch, I pray about it. God, don't let me get busy this afternoon and forget to call her. As soon as I got done with lunch, you know what I did? I went into my office, and guess what happened? I called her. Hey, how you doing? 
She goes, I'm doing great. Thanks for calling me. I said, no problem. I hung up the phone. I went, I called her. <laughs> Let me tell you why that happened. Because all the way at the very beginning, I confessed. It makes all the difference in the world. It changes your outlook. It changes how you're going to deal with that person for the rest of your life. Now, if you don't confess, guess what happens? It doesn't change anything. You go throughout the rest of your life dealing with that person in the exact same way. Confession is not a private thing. It's a public thing. That's the hardest part about it. James chapter 5 says this, And the prayer often in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Confession is not about emptying your guilt bucket. Confession is about healing and moving forward. Confession is about healing and moving forward. The hardest part about confession is, one, you don't ever want to confront the person you should be confessing to. And two, because you don't do that, you can't move forward. You cannot move forward. Your emotional, spiritual being is stuck in that relationship. You're defined by it, you look like it, you smell like it, and you feel like it. Everything about you is defined by that relationship and you can't move forward. Do you know when you can move forward? When you get rid of it. When you confess it. When you go to that person and you say, I have handled this situation poorly and I'm tired of running from it. I need you to know. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. You're not always going to get a that's okay. You're not always going to get forgiveness. Because the truth is, as much heartache is in you, that's how much heartache is on the other person. Right? We're in the midst of merging with another church. Let's be honest. We're in the midst of very friendly taking over another church. Right? There's about 15 to 20 people over there. And, and I'm going to tell you one thing. They don't like it. So I went over there the other day and they started to unleash on me all of this stuff. Well, you wear blue jeans. Yes, I wear blue jeans. You know? Well, well, you do this, and you do that, and your church is loud, and blah, 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 and all this stuff is coming over. And this one woman stood up, and she said, we've been here for 30 years, and we have 15 people. And we're trying to tell that church, who's been there for three years, and is way bigger than us, what to do. Here's what she's saying. There's so much heartache in your anger. It has nothing to do with One Love Church, and it's got nothing to do with me. You know what it has to do? They think God owes them. So there's heartache there, and you can't move on. You can't get beyond that until you release that, until you confess that. Confession is about healing and moving forward. Confession must become a habit. It must become a habit. And the only way to reverse guilt is to get it in the open. Here's how it happens. The first part, I told you I was going to tell you something and you weren't going to want to do it. Here it is. You ready? Look at the person next to you. We're going to do it together. We're going to practice this together. Here you go. We're going to open doors this morning so it's easier for you when you get out of here. Look at the person next to you and here's what you guys say. For a lot of you, it's going to be hard. Nick, this is going to be hard for you. I'm telling you right now. Look at Amber. Everybody look at the person next to you. Doesn't matter who it is. If you're here alone this morning... 
Hey, this is for you too. Look at someone around you. Say this. I'm not always right. Here we go. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. Look, look, look back. Try this. You're not always right. Hey. Which one thought the second way was easier? Do you know why? Because everyone has heartache. And the hardest thing in the world to do is to go to someone else and say that I was wrong. It's a lot easier to go to everyone else in my life and say that you were wrong. You follow me? But confession is about understanding my place in our spiritual relationship. Confessing, confessing is about understanding that there are people in my past that I have hurt. There are people in my past who their life course has changed because of my interactions with them, maybe in the most insignificant way in the world, but it's changed. And so it's my duty to become free in the way that Christ wants you to be free. And the only way that you can do that is to begin to close those doors. It's to start closing those doors. And I'm going to suggest to you again, you're not always going to get a warm reception. And it's never going to be easy. But it's how you move forward. It's how you heal heartache. Will you stand with me? Every week, we go home with a challenge. My challenge to you this week is to write down the names that are on your heart right now. Write them down. Because in the life of a disciple, the Holy Spirit's going to move in a lot of different ways in your heart and in your spirit. And one of those ways is when you start to feel convicted, which is what a lot of us are going through right now. I'm going through it. I'm thinking the names right now, even up here, talking my head off. The truth is that there's a lot of relationships in your heart right now that you know you got to go back and you got to heal. My brother Greg and I have been best friends since we were, since I was 11 years old. He's my brother, right? Let me tell you what happens with brothers. You grow up and you create scars. And what happened over time with Greg and I is we created scars that just started pushing out our relationship. And so for a lot of years as you grow into adulthood, the scars kept us from being close. And one day, Greg and I sat down and Greg was the man enough to do it before I could. And Greg said, listen, I've got scars, buddy. I got scars. And some of them are my fault and I need to confess them to you. And then when Greg began to confess to me, you know what I started to do? I started confessing to Greg. And I started saying, brother, I made those scars. Because I was very selfish in, in a major portion of my life. I was very selfish. And that selfishness created scars in other people. But Greg and I's relationship now is stronger than it's ever been. Greg's the only man in my life that I kiss. He's the only man in my life that I kiss. I'm telling you right now. For the rest of y'all, it's a little creepy. Me and Greg, it's okay, but do you know why? Because I've been in a relationship with Greg like I haven't been in a relationship with anybody else. I've been more intimate with Greg than, other, than my wife. I have not been that intimate with anyone else. Greg knows things. Greg knows things about my life. I'm telling you right now. 
Greg knows things about my life that no one else knows. And do you know why that is? Because I feel safe when I talk with Greg now. Do you know why I feel safe with him? Because I've healed the past. I've healed the past. I've gone to him and confessed to Greg. And you know what happened through that? God healed my heart. God healed my heart. And my relationship with Greg, as important as it is to me, it's nothing compared to my relationship with God. And anything that stands in that way and God's eternal life for me has to go. It has to go for you too. Anything that stands in the way of your relationship with God has got to go. And there are relationships that you have to heal, so go home and write down the names. Write them down right now if you have to so you don't forget them before you leave this place. Go back, make contact, open the door, see where God takes it. Let's pray. Father God, oh, the heartache is painful. And God, there is so much that stands in the way of the greatness that you can do in us. Father goes all the way back to heartache. And God, it may go back to simple relationships in high school or, Father, in our childhood that, that God, we can't release, we can't let go of. Because, Father, we don't know what true confession is. So, Father, teach us. Teach us where we have a, a childhood spirit. Where, Father, the guilt of our past has weighed us down. Father, maybe the guilt of our spiritual past has weighed us down. That, God, we can be free in you. Free to discover what a true and holy relationship really is. Free to know, Father, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, no matter what abuse has been a part of our lives, that, God, you can heal us and make us whole again. And, Father, that is what we strive for, a pure and intimate relationship with you. So, God, today I truly confess and beg you to show me how to change and create in me opportunities to demonstrate a new heart and a new spirit. God, I love you. I worship you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.